Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Tanya Willis. Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. So I had such a fun conversation with Tanya. Our philosophies are very, very similar. And I was telling her after we were done recording that, um, you know, she has very Ayurvedic philosophies, you know, without even knowing that they were necessarily Ayurvedic philosophies. So, um, you know, we chatted about her book, which has an awesome title. It's called Cookie Dough in the Dark. And she's a trainer. She's a nutritional coach. Um, she's a mom, she's a wife, and she's been in the training industry now since the late 80s. And so we really had a rich discussion of how much the industry has changed and um, the direction, you know, that it's going as well as, you know, different ways to break through some maybe emotional eating or, you know, even just that unconscious, you know, habits that we're doing that affect our daily lives. And so it was a really great discussion if anyone's been struggling with you know, changing some of those habits that you're like, I just need to do this one thing. And if you're just, you know, like, how can I do it? You know, she chats about the, um, you know, going up a 10 floor um, story building. And it's a great analogy. And I really think that for me was really eye opener on how to help, um, you know, break through some habit changes and knowing when to enter the next floor, so to speak. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I do. And let us know over on Instagram at Andrea Clausen 21, um, what you thought of today's show. All right, without further ado, here is today's episode with Tanya. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. And today I have Tanya Willis on with me. And I'm super excited to chat with her. We have a lot of similarities in our philosophy on fitness and health. So I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, Tanya, and, you know, tell us a little about yourself and how you got into the fitness industry. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me, Andrea. I'm very excited to be here today. I basically, if you had known me as a child, you would not have guessed what I would be doing for a living. But somewhere in my late teens, I began to become interested in aerobics. So this was in the late 80s. And um, I just started taking it and teaching it. And, you know, that's kind of my first introduction. And then I went off to university and I took business and graduated and thought, oh, that was not really the direction I wanted to go. So I went into fitness and lifestyle management. And basically, it was like the best thing I'd ever done. I was so excited and it was great to combine my business skills with my uh, health, nutrition, and fitness. And then, you know, as a fitness professional, you have a certain image um, to like to look like. And in my teens and 20s, I, you know, looked good, but I wasn't feeling the best. And back in the 80s, early 90s, it was more about being um, thin than healthy. Mm. And yes. So, oh, yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember. Was, <laughs> right? You know, yes. And um, basically, I was single and just, you know, I loved teaching. I was teaching classes. I was personal training. And I loved it. But I was just very unsettled. And I was eating, you know, it was the low fat, no fat craze, mm -hmm. right? And we, we were learned, we taught, we're sorry, we learned about the 3,500 calorie rule, calories in, calories out, right? So it was, we did not have the nutritional 
information that we have today. And basically I was just struggling with quick fixes and, and trying to find that magic pill that would just help me feel grounded and happy because I thought everybody else was just happy and, you know, didn't have to work for it. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds horrible, but anyway, I, um, I was frustrated and, um, you know, I just kind of went through my twenties going along. And then in my thirties, I got married and had children. And I think this is when I really woke up. Mm -hmm. So because I, I, you have a child as well mm -hmm. and, um, you are no longer you. Yes. Right. Yes. Your time is really, um, called for not just your time, but mentally, physically, emotionally, it was very draining. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, you know, in your twenties too, you can also get away with, you know, eating and your diet in one aspect, but then you get into your thirties, you become a parent. And not only is your time not your own, but what you got away with in your 20s, you cannot get away with in your 30s. And I just remember being stressed, anxious, depressed, and um, I started to turn more towards simple carbohydrates, right? For my energy fixes and all of that kind of thing. Does that resonate at all? Yeah. I mean, okay. I think many people. Yes. So, you know, the scale goes up, the scale goes down. You're told to eat less and move more. Yeah. And I was just like, this is not working. And then I had kids and I was like, I really, I just had to regroup and really start to go after my health as opposed to my weight. Mm. And that is when I had like the major aha um, moment in my life. And I let go of the scale, which is very hard to do. And not that I was like a um, fanatic of weighing and measuring myself, but it was always in the back of my head, right? Just how much I weighed, weighed and how my clothes felt. But during this time of not eating properly and working out too hard, so I call it this acidic treadmill. Mm. And I just basically burned myself out. Mm. So uh, I discovered that there was a much smarter way not working harder, but smarter. And then things start to shift in my life and we can talk about those. Does that give you kind of like an idea of? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I want to know more. So I was, you know, like probably elementary school age, well, mm -hmm. elementary school age, late eighties, early nineties. And I know, you know, definitely, I mean, as a kid growing up in that time, that's what you saw was the, you know, thin and the models, the model thin was definitely what was. Oh yeah. How was it like being in the fitness industry, you know, just cause I wasn't, you know, teaching classes or, you know, training clients yet. Like what, what has really been a shift since that time period to now? Cause I'm kind of curious about that. Well, so when I was teaching in the late eighties, early nineties in personal training there, I was in a health club and you know, there is a, you're a billboard basically, yeah. right. But you can also so, you know, I looked great, but I was not healthy. I was suffering from bronchitis, had bouts of pneumonia. And, but to look at me, you wouldn't guess that, but I was, you know, hiding it well, mm -hmm. you would say. And then I think there's just, I think there's been an amazing shift lately because I really, really truly believe, I mean, there's still, you know, magazines and media about thin, you know, being thin, 
but I really also believe there's been a huge shift in people's thinking about health. Mm-hmm. And I really, years and years ago when I started, I said, when you focus on your health, everything else will start to change. And I truly believe that because now you're not counting calories. You're, you're, you're not working off what you put in your mouth. You're really trying to go, okay, what's my health? What is health to me? And it can be being grounded, being calm, being centered, um, eating to nourish your body. Right. And when you have children, and I think that's really, again, was a a point driving home. I started to be more conscious of what I was feeding them. Mm -hmm. And that shifted me because I'm like, now I want to be healthy for them, but I also want to give them the best. Like I wanted to give them the best. And and I had my kids in early 2000. And again, in the last 16 years, the shift um, has been incredible because there was not the same information when I had my children. You Mm -hmm. really had to find it. Now you can, and I really wasn't on the internet or anything like that because I was, you know, I had a flip phone. Uh, <laughs> I was like really into my kids and there was no, there, there wasn't the media and the social media that we have now. Mm. So I think just my perspective of focusing and you know what you focus on expands, right? Mm-hmm. But when I moved away from focusing on being thin um, and not that I preach that to my clients, but when I focused on more on the health of living, I, I, things, healthy things start to come to me. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Totally. I mean, cause I think that, you know, once we kind of realize, okay, we aren't just, you know, the number on the scale and maybe, mm. you know, like certain health issues start going away and you're like, oh, wow. Oh, absolutely. Who would have thought, you know, this actually works, but in maybe a different way than you thought it would quote unquote work. Yes, absolutely. Oh. And I just feel that we, I feel, you know, stepping into the life that you want and that being confident and vibrant and healthy. And, you know, I say to people, I'm going to be rocking it in my nineties. Mm. You know, I, I teach seniors. I've had the privilege of teaching seniors for almost 30 years and you know, they're, they want to use their hands and their feet and they want their mind to be working and they want to be mobile. Right. Mm. So it really kind of expanded my thoughts. Can you chat about, so I also treat, I've been teaching seniors for about five years. Yes. And has there been a shift then? Well, so from what I've seen just in kind of like the senior realm, like of people who like might have a group that is pretty active, but then sometimes I sub at other places where they're like, oh, you expect me to do that? You know, I'm 88. And I'm like, I have 94 year olds doing that. And they're kind of like, what have you seen kind of a shift in kind of the mindset of aging? Cause I think that has been something I've noticed, you know, cause I've been in the industry now for about 11 years and I've really seen, you know, people instead of, you know, thinking, Hey, I'm 80, I can stop. It's like, no, I'm 80. I need to keep going. Oh, exactly. Well, I teach classes uh, in my studio and I have 70 year olds in here who have been teaching for the last 13 years. And if you, if, if a, I'm just going to throw this out here, but a 30 year old joins my classes, they are like, holy smokes, look at those 70 year olds. <laughs> they are in amazing shape. And so I, when I'm talking to people, I don't even use age anymore because I think you're just a product of your habits mm. and it doesn't, I'm in better shape now than I probably, or different shape yeah. um, now than I was in my twenties. And I just find the it's a mental attitude. 
right? Mm -hmm. I don't feel my age at all, but there's other people that feel certain ages. So just really the vibrancy and energy of people who stay with healthy habits are incredible and it really shapes their lives. So I, I don't use age because like you, you can see people who are in their 80s and 90s, uh, and I deal with a lot in their 70s as well, who are, they're in great shape. Mm -hmm. And I know 40 year olds that would, you know, not be able to keep up, but yeah. that's because they've chosen not to. Yes. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love the, you're a product of your habits. I think that's so true. And then not using that age to necessarily define you. Cause I think I see the same thing. It's the ones who use the age as like, this is my defining. I shouldn't do this because I am this age versus those who are like, I don't care what age I am. That I think is huge. Well, and moms do the same thing, right? Like time oh. is another huge yes. use, right? So oh. I have moms that I've worked with and, pe and preparing women for pregnancy saying like, you think you're busy now. Okay, wait until you have a baby and you know, you're, you're really busy and you're bending over, like you need a strong back. So we really have to kind of look at the excuses we're using and time is a huge one and age and it, they don't exist mm -hmm. because we all have the same time, mm -hmm. right? So it's what the healthy habits we do with our time. And as a mom, listen, I would have loved to have <laughs> used that one because your time really is uh, condensed to as before children mm -hmm. and just some um, age. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's something that I love to talk about too, is like the excuse factor and um, you know, and I, it's totally fine. Like sometimes like, I'm just like, it's just not a priority right now, Absolutely. Um, you know, instead of just saying it's, you know, oh, I shouldn't, or I can't, I'm like, no, no, no. You know, you probably could find time. You just, it's not a priority and that's fine. Like I have some people who know, you know, after I've used that language, they're like, yeah, you're right. You know, right now sleep is my priority because I'm exhausted and I'm like, and it should be because right now doing a hardcore workout is not going to serve you when you're not sleeping. And so just kind of noticing what you need and what your body needs, I think is huge, especially, you know, for moms with little ones. Yes. You were talking that, about that in a podcast I listened to the other day. And I, I always say I switched many years ago, instead of saying, I don't have time for that. I say, it's not my priority. Mm -hmm. And to say that is a, instead of using it as an excuse, now you're taking ownership. Yes. Now you become empowered of how you use your time. And it's a shift. It's a definite shift because it's easy to blame time. I love it. And I know um, one of the things that I was reading in your, your bio, you know, you share some of your past fitness struggles and I do too. And I love to do that, you know, but why do you think as fitness professionals, it's so important for us to do that? Because I think even when I first started in the industry, I, that was, that was something you wouldn't do. Like you would not share, Oh, by the way, I did have like two cookies last night. Like <laughs> clients would be like, well, I can't see you anymore. You're not perfect. So I think that's the pedestal we used to be kind of put on. Yeah. And now we're openly being like, you know what? I did have a glass of wine last night. You know what? I did enjoy, you know, going out to dinner and had this, you know, fettuccine Alfredo or whatever. Like we're sharing some of that stuff more often. Oh, it's it is hard to be vulnerable and to yeah. be real and to be taken off a pedestal. And, you know, you are in a sense, um, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, we are looked at as a 
as a striving for in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. I think more so when I was starting in the fitness industry, but now I find that when I'm more real and vulnerable, more people can relate to my story because mm -hmm. it keeps it real. Yeah. And everybody has a story. And, you know, I wrote a book called Cookie Dough in the Dark, which is a really raw and vulnerable journey of when I was, you know, spent decades addicted to, um, you know, simple carbohydrate, carbohydrates, right? Not broccoli, <laughs> you know, the other stuff. And um, the other thing I like to keep it real about is because um, people think that it comes easier to other people mm. just because we're in this industry we don't struggle with weight or health or anything like that. And, you know, I still have to use this uh, philosophy where sometimes I do not feel like working out. I don't, but I say, Tanya, just five minutes, just start, get on the treadmill or go for a walk or, you know, sit in meditation, five minutes. And sometimes I might even say to people, start with 30 seconds and they're like, well, what does that do? I said, it just starts. Mm -hmm. It just gets the ball rolling. And, you know, it does something to your amygdala in your brain and it starts to break down this fear. But I, I, we're human. I'm human. So I definitely struggle sometimes with just getting my workout in. And, you know, I like eating. Mm -hmm. um, so I've really had to change the way I eat in order for my larger picture goal to be about health and not weight. So, and I've, you know, I like sharing the realism of, you know, I absolutely wanted to be thin, but thin does not make you happy. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people will say, when I'm five pounds, 30 pounds lighter, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, you won't. You'll be five to 30 pounds lighter, but you're still going to have the same husband, the same job, the same life, the same thoughts, unless you look at the holistic picture of of your life right oh yeah I, I just said that I think on a Facebook live in one of my private groups I was talking about that same thing I'm like if you if weight loss is the goal totally fine but if you're striving for you know I am gonna be I'm gonna feel better this is gonna be it it's this 20 pounds and then you get there and you're like wait nothing has changed besides my weight that wasn't it mm -hmm. and I'm like you have to do that internal work too like it's got to be you know side by side they're both you know okay what do I need to get into self-development wise to help myself feel better? And then maybe if you do want to lose those 20 pounds, it's side by side. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I really do feel better. And maybe you only lost five pounds, but you feel so much better because you did that work on yourself. Oh, absolutely. And I think that is the piece that wasn't there when I first started teaching, yes. right? But now, yes. you know, I, cause I can say to people, you can absolutely lose five, 10, 15 pounds. I, I just had a client lose 10 pounds in two weeks. And the reason she did it is because she started, like, I have a whole process I do, and this is, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about, but it's noticing what you're doing. And I really think that when you start to notice your habits, mm -hmm. instead of controlling your diet, it's amazing what shifts start to happen. Mm -hmm. and, and so she did that. And, but my, my goal with people is not um, immediate weight loss. It's if you want to lose, like I've had clients lose 70 pounds and keep it off for the last 15, 20 years. You really have to do that habitual work. What do your habits look like in the day so that you don't lose 10 pounds and keep it off for the next month, but you keep it off for the rest, you know, for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. 
And I love that you just mentioned, you know, noticing versus controlling. Cause I think that that's such a huge message. Like just noticing what we're doing versus trying to control everything. Cause I think that's where the diets and like, I need to work out for an hour happened was because we were just trying to control it versus just noticing, wait, do I even want to have, you know, this glass of wine at 6 PM or is it built out of habit? You know, like just kind of noticing those things versus that, like, I need to, you know, eat at this set time. I need to make sure I'm on the treadmill for 30 minutes. Exactly. And I used to do the same thing, you know, like that's just stuff that we did like the fitness industry. I love how much it's evolved and you know, it just, it's going to take time before everyone can really get that mindset evolution. But once you kind of get that, when you're not so controlled by, I need to, you know, make sure it is exactly three miles. Like once you can kind of release that and say, Hey, maybe it was like, 2.1. 2.1. And I'm totally fine with that. You know, that is just so much more freeing. Absolutely. It really is freeing. And you know what? That's a word my clients use mm. freeing freedom. They don't feel controlled because they're trusting in themselves. They've empowered themselves. And that is such a gift. And I want to talk now, cause I think that this is a perfect segue into your, you know, 10 stages of change mm-hmm. and how it can really help, you know, create those lasting habit changes. Cause I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, what are some of the processes people can go through? Okay. Well, there basically it's broken into three parts. So I attended, um, you can heal your life, Louise Hayes uh, event in Toronto years ago. And I heard Carolyn Meese talking about um, a building that is 10 floors. And when after I heard her say this, I released judgment for myself and for others. Mm. Because as you know, whenever you are going, whenever you're adopting a new habit, right? It takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And you have to first notice the habit, but we'll just talk about habits here for a second. So say for example, you're a smoker and you want to quit. So, so we'll just keep that image in the back of our mind for a minute. Mm-hmm. Think of it. Think of yourself as a 10 story building. If you live on the ground floor, you see car tires, cars, tree trunks, right? Mm-hmm. When you move up to the second floor, you start to see over the cars and then you might see over a fence and notice that there's a swimming pool in the next yard. And each time you go up a level, you get a different perspective, Mm -hmm. right? So every time you look, you go up a floor, you look out the window, you see a different perspective. And if the window is clear and clean, your view will be clear. Mm -hmm. But if your beliefs cloud this window, they can either distort your view or challenge you to change them, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want a clear view, then you need to be ready to challenge your existing beliefs to clean the windows you are looking through. And when I heard this, I immediately understood why I would take two steps forward and one step back or say go up two floors and come back down a floor because I wasn't ready. Mm. I had not done the work to be able to look out that window, right? I hadn't changed my habits, my beliefs, my energy to be able to move up. Does that make sense? 
Well, that, I mean, it's brilliant. Like that totally makes sense. Right. So then I started to look at, okay, so you can think of, you know, think of a smoker, like how many times they quit and then, you know, maybe start up again. And then relating to my story of how many times, you know, I was, you know, at a party and I would start to eat, uh, you know, cookies uncontrollably and chips and I would berate myself and negative and negative self-talk and just, you're so stupid. How can you do this? You know better. And I'm like, okay, that is not how I should be talking to myself. Mm -hmm. So I really had to understand the chemical, emotional, social, physical addiction of food and how it related to my life in regards to moving up floors. And that is progression and not perfection. And there are a lot of, you know, elements that go into shifting your beliefs as you move up these, these floors. Mm. I mean, that, that just makes so much sense. You know, just being able to, you know, one habit at a time and then the, are you ready piece? I think that's, that's like the biggest thing because I hear a lot of people, you know, um, I usually can always tell based on my first meeting with someone if they truly are ready or if they are like, I think I am, you know, this is what I, you know, in their head, they're saying I should do, but they're not truly ready to make those deep habit changes. Cause that, that takes work. That's hard work to really start to change, you know, what you're eating and, you know, maybe what workouts you're doing or staying with something consistently. It takes work. It does. And you know what? It's okay not to do that because there are times in my journey where I said, you know what? I am not willing to do what it takes right now. Yes. And yes. then to be okay with that. You can't mm -hmm. keep berating yourself because negative energy and negative thoughts is so draining and it just starts to tumble you back. And the other model I like to use is the trans theoretical model by Pochenka de Clemente and Norcross, which I learned about in my early twenties at university which is talks about steps and like there's the pre-contemplation you know kind of like um i i'm i'm kind of thinking about it right mm -hmm. like you're you're getting information but you're not changing anything and then you have the contemplation stage where you know you need to improve your health for example but you just haven't committed to anything and then you move into preparation where you're like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm intent and I'm ready to do some action. And this stage can last a long time, like any of these stages, but understanding them is important. And then we move into action and then maintenance. So those are the five shift, uh, steps they talk about. And a lot of the time we move into action without doing the behind the scenes work. So I like to think of this as building a house without a strong foundation and mm -hmm. it'll crumble. Mm -hmm. So we really need to do that, the, the work of the beliefs and the habits and understanding and getting a plan in place, right? And then mm -hmm. being able to action on the plan and then combine that with the 10 stories of your moving upwards, right? And then it all starts to, you know, kind of help you understand that it's definitely a journey. So if someone's like, okay, where do I start? Like, where is like that first place to start when I want to make a new habit change? Mm -hmm. The first thing I do with all of my clients is just to be an observer of your habits. 
Simply sit back and notice. Notice why you are eating, how you are feeling, wh uh, why you want to eat more. You know how sometimes you go for that second helping. How are you moving? Does it feel natural to you? Study your habits because that is what needs to change. Mm -hmm. And most of the time we jump into a new diet that is controlled and sure it lasts for a while, but then it doesn't. But that's okay because that's just a step maybe you needed to take. But then you start to notice, okay, I have to look at what's going on. Do I eat more when I'm sad? Do I eat more when I'm with certain people? Um, and, you know, like, so study your emotions. Just be really curious about you. And then start to notice, for example, say you're feeling sad and you're eating. And then you say, okay, why am I eating when I'm sad? And then see if you can allow yourself to feel the emotion. Say it's sad, happy, whatever it is. Um, and feel that emotion and discover strategies instead of eating or avoidance strategies. Perhaps you, you know, smoke or drink or whatever, or go on social media and really start to feel. So my, my first step for everybody is really you have to become an observer of you and notice what you are doing. That's what I recommend. I like that. And <laughs> along those roads, like, I feel like a lot of us like to blame other people instead of kind of taking into account, like our responsibility in, you know, maybe creating our own habit shifts or, you know, just taking responsibility for what we're doing or what we're choosing to fuel our bodies with, mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how can you kind of or how do you, or say something, or what do you do to like help open up people's eyes to being like, no, you have more control in terms of, you know, what you're feeling your body with, like when you choose to exercise, than you think you might. Well, I really think it comes back to a choice again, and to be empowered and to trust yourself. And it, it really needs to be a conscious choice. We are run by subconscious programming. About 85% of what we do is subconscious, right? Or mm -hmm. unconscious. So notice when you're blaming time or blaming your age, or for example, you know, I, I broke my foot. I was in a cast and I still personal trained and worked like the, you know, 95% of my body, but some people might use that as an excuse to stop and that's okay too, but just notice and take responsibility for your actions. Right. And really, listen, when I was going through all of this, I, it's really easy to blame other people and other things and time and age and injury because it takes the, 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 um, responsibility off yourself. Right. Yeah. So I know that when I was going through this, oh my gosh, I, I did, I absolutely wanted to play the blame game. And then it was when I realized that that was not working for me. And I really had to really, oh my gosh, it was hard work. I'm not going to lie. It, I remember my kids making a gingerbread man. This is when they were probably four and five. And you know, at Christmas time, you decorate them. And they were doing like, you know, just their boys. It was chaos and <laughs> not looking pretty. <laughs> and I started to get so frustrated because it should be like red, green, red, green. And, and it, you know what? It wasn't about the gingerbread making. It was about a deep-seated something inside of me. And all of a sudden I was in the pantry and I had my hands on some kind of, you know, cookie or something. Cause it was, it was 
cookies and chocolate that were really my thing. And it had to be homemade cookies. <laughs> and I'm in there and I was like, Tanya, this is not going to fix it. This cookie is not going to fix it. Get a hold of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had to break this pattern for a long time because my initial reaction was to eat. Mm-hmm. As soon as I felt frustrated, eat. And then I was like, okay, I have to breathe. I have to breathe. And so I would hold the cookie and I would breathe. And I would like, it doesn't matter how the gingerbread pattern is, is happening. Eating the cookie is not going to change the outcome. And I'm like, this is pathetic. But those are the things I had to go through and really take responsibility. And, ugh. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy and it sounds so silly to talk about, but I've had many moments like this. Oh, yeah, I'm, I think a lot of people have. Yeah. Well, and that's why a, a lot of my book, I've had great feedback with it resonating with people because they're like, wow, I mean, you're really being honest. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that honesty that makes people allow themselves to be honest and then start to take responsibility for, for their actions. Yeah, that was, um, you know, something else that I wanted to chat about you know, with you. And I feel like this is, that example was perfect for it, you know, just about like kind of those addictions that we might have in our lives and like the cover-ups that we're doing to try to avoid looking at something. So that example with the gingerbread and then trying to grab the cookie is like, that's like your ammo is like, Hey, I'm going to have my cookie just because I'm stressed out because I'm not controlling this situation, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like being like, whoa, 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 let's take a step back. Why mm-hmm. do I need to be in control of this? You know? That I think was a great example of that. Um, do you have anything else in terms of that? Because I think this is quite common, especially, you know, with women, like we might, you know, quote unquote, like self-sabotage ourselves. Like, you know, everything is great. We're going good. And then we're like, oh, you know what? Let's open up a bottle of wine at night. And then one glass turns into two. And then you start, you know, throwing a pizza or whatever. And then, you know, before you know it, you're like, man, like I was, you know, had this great week. And when we say this, this is what I, I'm using the language of most clients that, you know, the great food. Um, and then they just splurge it all, or they're just like, I just couldn't be perfect. And this is kind of what we do. So there's, I, I cannot remember who said it. And it's probably a lot of people who have said it, but there, we have a certain energy about us. And this, I think goes back to the 10 floors as well is that we're not ready to go up to the next floor. So we sabotage ourselves, right? I love that. Yes. Yes. Makes sense. Exactly. Because what happens is say, for example, um, you go out Friday night and you tend to have your wine. Well, if you want to change that habit now, you cannot hang out with those people because that is connected to the wine. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. You have to change that habit. And then, so you, if you decide not to go out on the Friday night, your friends are calling you saying, Hey, why aren't you here? And then you feel pulled back, but you really, really want to move forward because I've had to change and not change. That's not even the right words. Uh, My friends have shifted because I used to go to the bars, you know, and partly that's, you know, in my twenties, that was lots of fun, but, (laughs) but Uh, (laughs) it's more important for me. I teach a class 8am Saturday mornings and everybody is like, I love coming to this class because it's changed their Friday night. Mm. Right. Yeah. They, you have to make that choice and it's, 
it's that 10 story building where if I really use this analogy a lot for myself and my clients is that when you're self sabotaging yourself, you have to dig, that's when you dig deeper and go, why am I doing this? Because if I want to be up at this, this, I'm not even going to call it higher level, but a different level, I have to seek out maybe new friends. I don't want to drink on Friday night. So if I'm not drinking Friday night, what else am I doing? Or if I listen, and here's the thing, if you want to have a bottle of wine, sometimes that's totally fine, but don't let it destroy. That's that whole diet mentality, the whole all or nothing attitude, right? Yes. So what? Enjoy it. I had so much shame, which is a very low vibrational energy around my cookie addiction. I mean, I hid a lot of it. I mean, I literally would bake, bake a batch of cookies and eat all of them. And the shame of not sharing that is ate away at me. And now I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. It, it's, it's a moment. It doesn't define who I am for the rest of my life. So embrace it and let go of the guilt. But if you're trying to move forward, understand, um, understand, like try and dig deeper into that self-sabotage. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that comes down to too, just as I had said, you know, using the client language of I was good this week and I try to correct them because mm -hmm. I do have one person who always does this and I know what she means by it. It just oh, yes. like in her mind, she didn't eat anything you know, that was processed or, you know, maybe didn't have any alcohol, you know, all of those things that we perceive as quote unquote bad. And I'm like, but it just happens because what happens and this happens to her all the time too, and probably to all of us, like then being perfect, it's hard and in pretty much impossible. And then she'll be like, oh, it was a bad, bad day. And then maybe sometimes she's like, it was two bad days in a row. I just ate everything in sight. I'm like, yes, but we don't have to have that. If you just allow yourself that treat when you want it, instead of being like, no, it was a perfect day. Cause there is no like, there is no perfect day. day. <laughs> I use two analogies and one is the beach ball. And so I don't say good or bad. So my philosophy is I eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Same with me. And so people will be like, so you eat bread. I'm like, well, when I want it, but I don't really want it because then it makes me feel lethargic. But if I have it, who cares? Yep. And if you have, so I think of this beach ball analogy. So this is a shift I made instead of like the good and the bad and the perfect, which I definitely was, you know, at one point is if you hold a beach ball underneath the water and you're good, you're perfect, you're holding that beach ball down, eventually it's going to shoot out of the water. Yeah. Right? You can only hold something for so long before it explodes. So that goes back to the diet mentality, good versus bad, right? It's, it's controlling. And if you can give yourself the freedom to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You might go crazy. We're not straight lines. We go up, we go down. We're, you know, we have hormonal shifts. The, the weather, when it's cold, we crave different food than when it's hot. When we start to understand our habits and we understand energy and we understand um, seasons, we allow and really empower ourselves and just trust ourselves instead of, trying to control with something mm. and I'm the same way I do not nothing is good or bad because you know what if you just ate watermelons that is not good mm -hmm. because you need other things in your diet but it's a good food I mean or mm -hmm. if you just ate broccoli 
right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's really allowing trust and empower yourself and love yourself, love yourself no matter what you're doing. And I, that was a really hard one for me. Mm. Just, you know, I, like if I ate something, I was a bad girl. I was stupid. How could you do that to yourself? And I, and then I was just like, Oh my God, I can't talk to myself like this anymore. Mm. So I just say, you know, think of the beach ball, think of sh like, you can't hold a beach ball underneath water. So really try and your words, like I have a sign right in front of my desk here, language creates reality. Mm. And I, I just listen to my language, not only the words out of my mouth, but what is going on in my head, because it has led me astray many a time. Um, it's also led me to good things. But what we think about, we bring about. So we, we're not good or bad just because we ate a donut or two donuts or three donuts, right? Move on. The next day, you know, you might not have a donut for another two months. I, it's just, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. And do you remember how, like, cause I'm kind of the same way and always have, you know, pretty much been like that, but I, you know, I was a three sport athlete in high school and college. So I think that's helped my metabolism. Mm -hmm. And so like, I can still eat pretty much whatever I want. And I'm also 5'10". So <laughs> I have a lot of things that are in my favor. Yes. Now that being said, taking it back to the person who is like, I want to get there. Like, I, I hear what you gals are talking about, but how can I, you know, like, how can I get that mindset to be like, there is no good, there is no bad. Like I can eat whatever I want. And without feeling shame, is there any like, Hey, maybe like this mantra or affirmation or anything that you kind of tell people who are like, but how, just tell me like maybe one mindset piece I need. Oh, well, okay. So I have my language creates reality. I have another saying, um, uh, where it's only a thought and a thought can be changed. Mm. Right. That's Louise Hay. And I really, okay. So part of my shift was what are the things I don't want to stop doing? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I like eating and I actually like eating sugar, mm -hmm. but I can't eat the amount of sugar I used to eat. Mm -hmm. So I started to get into raw baking, like raw goods. So I could still have sweets. Okay. Okay. And I still have other sweets. So I'm, I'm hoping this answers your question. Yeah, no. But I also learned that my brain, like our, okay, our, we have ingrained habits. So we need to notice those. Food and drinking also affects our brain chemistry, right? So you have to learn about how food affects your brain because it, and food companies make food addictive, mm -hmm. right? So shifting more and I never take anything out of anybody's diet because that creates fear, right? Yes. So I, I work on the addition principle. So what can you add into your diet? So I started to shift. So your microbiome, your gut, right? I started to shift and eat healthier foods. And when you're coming off like a processed food diet or one not high in fruits and vegetables, they can taste really disgusting because our taste buds like, mm -hmm you know, the chemicals that have been added to food. Um, well, they don't, but they've just been accustomed to it now. But so uh, it, it is multifaceted. I, I would just say you have to start to notice yourself talk, notice your habits and trust that things will change slowly. Mm 
Mm -hmm. And that you might fall backwards. I call it failing, failing forward. You might take two steps forward and one step backwards, but it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And understanding your brain chemistry kind of helps like when you understand your reward center, like your dopamine, when you understand your amygdala, and then when you start to understand blood sugar levels, right? So I think it's like a puzzle. We're just a puzzle. Mm -hmm. And we can only work on one piece at a time. Now, we may learn information about this certain piece, but we might not be ready to add it into the whole puzzle yet. So really just trusting, trust that, and, and ask for help, mm -hmm. right? Ask mm -hmm. for help. And I, like, on the physical side of this, I am a huge fan of lifting weights because you really do boost your metabolic rate. That's oh, just yeah. right. I, yeah. I, I am not a one person. I believe in like, I teach Pilates. I teach boot camp. I think you should go for walks in nature. There's not to me personally, one exercise that fits all. Mm -hmm. It's another puzzle. And it depends. Like I heard you say, you know, you're tired now. You're not doing maybe the hard workout you used to do. And that again is honoring your body, mm -hmm. right? Honoring your mind. And, and, you know, I'm, you know, 48 now, my thoughts are very different than when I was in my thirties. So mm -hmm. we, we shift and we grow. So I hope that answered that question. No, I think it totally <laughs> did. I mean, cause that's, I think that one for me can be always the most challenging just because I, I you know, I've never experienced, I guess, um, you know, I don't know what that piece would be around like the food and just kind of limiting myself. Like I can rein myself in, but I never deny myself food that I like, like, you know, like it's, um, you know, as we're recording this, like the Easter candy is out and I love the Cadbury mini eggs. I know. And I don't <laughs> deny myself those. Cause I'm like, if I had said, no, you can never eat those again. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to buy like six bags and like hang on to them because I told myself I can never eat them again. And of course I'm going to eat them all in like a week. And so like, it's those things where we say, no, this food is off limits. I do find that we are like, well, that's all I want. Cause that's all our brain is consumed with. And so well, kind of taking that step back and saying, it's not off limits. You know, maybe you just modify and you you have like a bite and you notice, does this satisfy whatever I was craving or whatever I needed? Yeah. And you know what? That's a great question because there's a theory out there too, called bright line, which means like some people say for an alcoholic example, or for example, they never can drink alcohol again. Well, to me, food, you can't, there, I guess there are some people who never eat sugar, white flour, white, whatever, but sugar isn't a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, but you can avoid, you know, candy and the obvious, I guess. Right. Yeah. As soon as I say to myself, I can't have that. I, I crave it more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have to be very careful with my language. I cannot say I can never eat that again, or I won't eat that. But there are some people where that might work for them. And I, one of my, like I do, you know, I have kids and, you know, we, uh, we make cookies and all sorts of things, but what I really try to do is not bring a lot into my house. Mm -hmm. So I have, because once it's in your house, it's fair game. Yep. Right. So if it is Easter candy, you know, Easter candy used to come out a week before Easter and a week after Easter. Now it comes out basically right after uh, Valentine's day. Yep. Right. <laughs> so you, there are some, I don't want to call them rules, but there are some, you, you have to exercise some discipline. 
Yeah. Right? You yeah. have to have, like when I say I eat whatever I want, whenever I want, I do believe that. But there's sometimes like I don't want things and other times I do. And yes. then if I do want it, then I have to check in with myself and go, okay, why am I eating this? Is it because, okay, I like the taste. Okay. You understand brain chemistry. You understand you're throwing your blood sugar levels off. You understand that you might start to crave this more. Are you willing to start it? And then it becomes a conscious choice rather than an unconscious choice. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's, that, cause I'm like, I was trying to think, I'm like, what other example do I have from how I got over or recovered from like, you know, just seeing, cause I think sometimes when we just see the food instead of just buying all the bags. So like for me, peanut butter M&Ms were something I would do. Oh, I love I'd, probably, those. I'd probably have like a, you know, like not the like one size serving. It was like the bag and I would buy them, but it, they just did not go well with me. Like I, it, they don't do well. My stomach is off. And, um, you know, I finally, I mean, I didn't care at the time. I was like, I'm just, this is my treat. This is, you know, my fun thing. Mm -hmm. well, I finally was like, no, this, I'm horrible. Like I'm in the bathroom. I don't feel good after I yeah. eat these every single time. And so finally I'm now, I mean, probably have been there for the couple of years. Like I don't crave those. I can walk by those in the store and not want to buy them. Same thing with the candy. Like I don't buy bags of candy. Whereas probably when I was in my I don't know, mid to late twenties, I would want that. But now because I'm like, no, this doesn't make me feel good. And I know it like, it's not even tempting anymore. But I think sometimes we have to get to that moment where we're like, okay, like, yes. is this helping us? Is this really, you know, what I want to be feeling? And if not, you slowly are like, no, I can just walk by it and say, it's just a food. I'm just choosing not to eat it. Yes. Well, you've made a conscious decision. So I was emotionally attached to food. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had to work through those emotions. And I would say like the cookie, is this going to make me feel better? Is this going to give me what I am looking for? And then, and then I'd be like, no, but I'm going to eat it anyway. And then I would feel yucky. And then I'd be like, okay, this is what, how I feel. So the next time I would eat the cookie, I'd like, remember how you felt the last time you ate that? Do you want to feel that way now? Mm -hmm. And then I'd be like, no, so I don't have it. Or I'm like, oh yeah, I don't care right now. Mm -hmm. But it's always a conscious choice, right? And it's something and, that we have to do all the time. <laughs> and you, I do it all the time. It's like when I stand up and I teach my posture classes, I'm like feet forward. I constantly am like hips, feet, knees in alignment, you mm -hmm. know, shoulder blades down my back. It's a, uh, it's a conscious, I'm constantly doing it. So there's, there's effort. And listen, once upon a time, I wanted all of this stuff without effort. I wanted the magic pill. I wanted the fairy dust. I'm like, I don't want to do the work. Yes. And then I'm like, oh, darn, I have to do the work. And, and then I had to, then I would try, try and control what I ate and controlled my workouts. And then it was the beach ball. And then I'm like, I can't keep holding that beach ball down. Tanya, you've got to empower yourself. You have to trust yourself. You have to love yourself. You need to work on your habits. And I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, okay, okay. And, and that's like been decades. <laughs> Well, yeah. And I think I that's, wish I could say it was one day. <laughs> yes. I think that's, I think that's the main thing too, is for people to like, I guess, understand or hear they're like, okay, so it's always going to be work. It's always going to be effort. And it is like, there's never, I mean, even like myself, like I still have to work at some things. Like there are weeks where I'm like, I don't want to work out or, 
you know, and then like, we still have to make ourselves, you know, find that motivation. Like, that's the thing. Like, there is no, like, I'm going to be at this level and it's going to be easy. Like, yeah, it might be easier, but you still have to, you know, some things are still going to require some work. Oh, and yeah, you're right. It does. Certain things get easier. Like I definitely don't have some of the addictions I had because I understand it, but I personally think, you know, I love growing. Yeah. I want to be stronger, smarter, happier, not because I'm unhappy now, but because life is exciting. I have one life as who I am. And I, I'm like a sponge. I, I spent years being anxious, depressed and stressed and miserable and low energy and just like, oh my God, caught up in a horrible habit. And now I, I look differently and I'm, I still have challenges and problems, but, but I face it with new, like a, a new thought pattern, mm. right? So I, I want to learn new things. I want to grow. Gosh, there's, the older you get, you realize how much you don't know. Mm. And, and I love reading about health. And I mean, I, you know, my skin is better. I'm 48. I have like 10 gray hairs, you know, <laughs> I, I, because I understand, I learned about minerals and I read, um, oh, sugar, I've forgotten her name right now. It'll come to me. But I, I, she changed her hair from gray to, to natural. So I was like, okay, how do I do that? What do I do to do that? So I try and look at things as challenges. I love it. And fun challenges. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Well, if people want to connect with you or like buy your book, where can they find that stuff at? I have a website, uh, vibrantlivingwithtanya.com. And uh, I also think you can go to moveyourbody.ca and it'll connect in there. And then I'm on Facebook, uh, Tanya Willis. And I also have a Facebook page, uh, Vibrant Living with Tanya. And my book's also on Amazon, Cookie Dough in the Dark. And I love the title. (laughs) So I always like to wrap up with um, one final weekly challenge to the listeners. And when I have guests on, I have you guys throw out a challenge to them. So what would you like that to be this week? I'm going to tie this all in. And my challenge is simply to notice. Really to notice and experience what you are feeling and move forward consciously from there instead of reacting. I love it. So I will just, and this takes practice, and, and I'll give you a really simple example, is I challenged myself about a month ago to brush my teeth without wetting my toothbrush first. Because it's a natural habit to wet your toothbrush and then put the toothpaste on. Mm-hmm. So taking something so small, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to wet my toothbrush first. So I've consciously made this. I know this might sound silly, but it shows you how unconsciously we do things. And there'll be times I've wet it before I even thought about it. Right? Uh. So I'm just, re- it reinforces how ingrained our habits are and to remind ourselves to fail forward and focus on progress and not perfection. I love that's I was as you're doing that I'm like do I wet my toothbrush (laughs) I was like nope I'm pretty sure I put my toothpaste on and then I wet it Ah. like that's just an automatic habit again that I would have to really think about every time to put you know every time I brush my teeth I'd have to be like no wet the toothbrush and then put it on it's so interesting that something's so little but really that's pretty much what our whole lives are those little habits that you know take us or break us (laughs) 
Yeah, do you tie, which shoe do you tie first? Now this is oh, all these things. So basically taking something so simple is when you're eating or at a grocery store, how many things are you just doing automatically without thinking about it? So yeah, really just start to notice. It is eye-opening what you can discover about yourself. And the other thing is, is it's much easier to change other people's habits and criticize others. And then you start to point your finger on yourself and notice your own habits and how hard it is to change those. <laughs> and it really, again, removes judgment and you start to have more loving compassion for yourself and others. Oh, yes. Oh, Tanya, it's been such a pleasure getting to talk with you. Um, like I knew um, after reading your bio, I was like, oh, we're going to have great conversation. I really did enjoy it. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.